Rex's Bible Minute, a weekly video where we talk about Jesus, Christianity, anything along those lines, and we try to study the Bible and let it say what it says. Uh, we are in week number nine of our study of Exodus. We are uh, starting chapter six, and we're going to get all the way to uh, chapter seven, verse 13. As always, go back and watch the previous weeks. If you haven't, this is your first time with us. Welcome. Super excited to have you, but uh, these are done sequentially with the expectation that you've seen what's happened up to this point. Um as far as the train of thought goes, last week we saw Moses, uh, he's returned to Egypt, he has his brother with him, Aaron, and God has given them the task of yeah, calling on Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go, to let his, his slave population go, basically. Um, and we looked at last week how that was a big ask, about how essentially that was like asking, you know, the congress to turn off all the electricity in the united states that, that slavery was how their economy worked it's how everything functioned it was on the backs of slaves that's the way most of human history has worked unfortunately um and so it was almost like a like there's no way pharaoh's gonna let this happen and he responds accordingly he he's insulted by it and so he stacks up a bunch of impossible standards on top of the slaves now because moses and aaron have asked to let the people go, and the people become resentful. And so this week, as we start, uh, pick up in chapter 6, verse 2, we're going to see how God doesn't quit. How God says, listen, this is just the beginning of what I've got planned. Let me let me show you. So we're going to be starting in chapter 6, verse 2. It says this, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, God Almighty, but my name the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Stay therefore, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So, God here is, is, is kind of repeating what he's already said to Moses. He says, listen, I, this is what I'm going to do. And anytime things are repeated, it's, it's, it's one of two possibilities. Either God is emphasizing it, or the author is emphasizing it, or both. Okay, so three possibilities. Um, but we see that this promise has been repeated to Moses multiple times. That, that Moses is a guy who kind of, I feel like I empathize with him a little bit. Like He, he needs... He needs wisdom via a two-by-four, right? Like, he needs hit in the back of the head with it to be like, hey, let this sink in. Like, he's, he's that kind of guy. I kind of feel like that a lot. Um, but, but God is, is saying to him, listen, I am who I am, except for now I'm doing something new, right? So in the beginning of this section, we saw that, that God said, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they didn't know my name. Let that sink in. Like, that, that puts Abraham's story in a whole new light, that God literally didn't reveal who he was to him. He just said, hey, I am God. I want you to leave everything you know and come to this new place, to this land I'll give you. Like, it, 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 it puts him in a new light as to how much faith he truly had. And it makes you understand Paul's writings and, and Romans about how, 
how much faith Abraham truly had, that God didn't reveal his name to him even, and yet he trusted him. And yet here we see Moses, he is the first person to whom God has revealed his name that we, we are aware of. I mean, we can't really put God in our box and say, hey, he didn't reveal his name to anywhere else, but that, that wasn't passed down to us. So this is where the name of God gets passed down to us here through Moses, through the Exodus account. It just shows you that God is, is, is doing something new, that he has a plan, he is pushing it forward, he is moving it forward. It started uh, at the fall in the garden, it continued through Noah, it continued through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, now it's continuing through Moses, that God is progressing this rescue plan that culminates in Jesus, and it's, 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 it's picking up steam here, right? So continuing on, he says, So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a, a charge about the people of Israel and said, Pharaoh, said about, and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And then we get this long list that I'm not going to read of basically how the nation of Israel is divided at this point. Uh, the clans, all right? Like, I'm of uh, Scotch-Irish ancestry. If you are too, you might know a little bit about this. Uh, but if not, like, it's basically like Israel has structured itself in a tribal system where you, you, you're, you're organized along family lines. And so there's a big, long section about who's who and how many of each clan there is, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because uh, it's, it's quite lengthy and it's quite repetitive. It's worth reading on your own. Picking up, it says, These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On this day, when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? So again, here's that repetition thing. Pay attention to that. means it's important. It's not there by accident. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down a staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and the magicians of Egypt also as they did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his own staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So we see that, that God is emphasizing this, this calling to Moses. But he's not pulling punches. He's not saying, Moses, it's all going to be great. It's all going to be easy. 
we'll get through this together. It'll be wonderful. Like, no, like he tells Moses, he says, listen, it's not going to work at first. Like straight up, you're going to fail. You're, it's Moses is or Pharaoh is not going to listen to you. He's going to be upset with you. He's going to make things hard. The people are going to be complainers. They're going to be upset with you. Everybody's going to be mad at you. But trust me. Man, that's a big ask, isn't it? Right? Like when somebody comes to you and like, you know, they're, they're trying to get you to do something or, or they're trying to, to make, get you to make a decision and they tell you to trust them. That is a massive ask. Because what is trust? Trust is saying that you believe that somebody is who they say they are or is going to do what they say they're going to do. And you have no control over that. If you have control over it, it's not trust. It's control. But to trust somebody is to say that you, you're putting it in their hands and it's their responsibility that you are vulnerable. That's what trust is. I mean, that's, that's the foundation of every healthy relationship is trust because you have to be vulnerable in that, right? Like if you don't have vulnerability, you just control everything, then there's no relationship there. That's a robot. And that kind of explains our dynamic with, with God, that he trusts us. And we have to trust Him. That we have to be vulnerable to Him. But that also means He's vulnerable to us. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's, that's a big concept I think a lot of us in the Western Christian world, uh, we, we miss. That God loves us. And we betray that love a lot. That God says, here is what I want for you. Here is... What I think is best for you. Here is what is best for you. There's no think. It, it is. And we betray that every day. And it breaks the heart of God. That's what the Bible tells us. That when we betray him, that we break his heart. That he is a jealous God. Meaning that he loves us passionately. He doesn't want our hearts to stray and belong to anyone or anything else but to him. And we break his heart a lot. He trusts us. He makes himself vulnerable to us. Not that he needs anything or lacks anything or will be deficient in any way, but that he loves us and we betray that love. And yet his love doesn't change. See, we're seeing an image here of, of God's relationship towards us played out in Moses. Last week we talked about types, or last Sunday morning rather, that, that the Bible is full of these things called types, that they're precursors for things that would come. Right. So, uh, for instance, probably one of the most famous types in the Bible is uh, the lamb that was eaten quickly and then its blood was was painted on the doorposts during the Exodus. We'll get there um, where, you know, then the any home that had that blood on the doorpost, the, the angel of death passed over and didn't kill the firstborn son in that house. OK, each house was saved by the blood of the lamb. It was a type for Jesus. Jesus was the lamb that was slain to save all of humanity, that death passed over those who are covered in his blood. We see that Moses here is acting as a type for all humanity, that God calls all of humanity to bigger and greater things and things that, that will be doomed to fail on their own merit, but that God calls us to things that he will make successful, and, and not success as we define it here, but that we have to trust. And we see that over and over throughout Scripture. You know, at the end of each one of these studies, we always go to a parallels in the New Testament. Uh, and really, there's not much of the New Testament that doesn't fall as a, under this parallel idea. 
every single time somebody is called, God calls them to difficult things, and it doesn't always go well. Whether it's Stephen, whether it's Paul, whether it's Peter, whether it's James, Jesus' brother, whether it's John, whether it's Jesus himself, every single person that we see in the New Testament is called to difficult things. And that doesn't mean that you're spared from it either. That God calls us to bigger and better things, and bigger and better means difficult. But that he trusts us to be open and willing tools in his hands for him to do the work that changes the lives and the people around us. Hopefully this was encouraging to you. Uh, if you have any questions, reach out. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.